Soul Recovery is not just this podcast. It is a community. And each month on the first Monday, we get together on Zoom to support each other. I give a topic, then we break into small groups. It's a powerful way to be seen and witnessed and heard and supported through your own soul recovery journey. This is free to attend and open to everyone. Go to the website to register. The next one is May 6th from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Also, in June on the 8th and 9th is an in-person soul recovery retreat in Lafayette, Colorado. This is going to be a weekend of incredible transformation, learning how to use soul recovery in your life and to leave that weekend transformed. Visit the website for more about what to expect and how to register. Enjoy the episode. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. There's no real rhyme or reason about what I talk about. It's kind of what happens in my life and how I'm feeling and what has been what I've been personally working on. I've been sober for two and a half years from recovering from alcoholism and been on this spiritual journey my whole life. I am a middle-aged, happy-to-be-so woman. And this journey is something I really want to share. It's not unique to myself. I am a human being. We are all human beings. And this journey really is about growth and positive movement to understanding ourselves better and being more connected and alive to have a stronger, better life that is happy. And so each week when I'm thinking about what I'm going to talk about, there's usually something that happened and then it's just fun to go back and process it and work together about what that was and, and how that's part of this journey for me that is recovery from not only alcoholism, but really about the lack of control that I have over well, every single thing besides myself. And that I used drinking as a way to ease my discomfort. And that, you know, when you're not happy or things aren't going great, you're looking for a way to check out. Or if you are happy and everything is fantastic, you're looking for a way to celebrate. And I discovered drinking on my own. I did not come from an alcoholic family. Um, I found it all by myself when I was in my early 20s. 
and found a husband that liked to party and drink just as much as I did and created a life together. We just celebrated 26 years of marriage where we had for a long time a relationship that worked with that level of drinking alcohol and partying and just sort of being in that space of celebration until it stopped working for myself. And I would say that he would say so as well, since he's in recovery and really started becoming a pretty substantial issue in how we communicated with each other in our lives. And we went through some pretty rough years through it. And I have two now adult young men um, who may or may not struggle with addiction the same way that we did. My hunch is that they might, but that's really their journey and it's not mine. So I'm really on my journey and I couldn't be happier about the life that I have now. There is something so remarkable about how different my life is from two and a half years ago and how dark it felt at times and how that solution that I had picked, which for me was wine and vodka, worked for me until it quit working. And there was a long time when it wasn't working. And it was my husband actually who really had the wake up call that it was time to make a change. And I was in a really dark place where I I didn't want to give it up. I was in absolute craving of this poison that um, I needed to consume every day to feel even remotely normal. And now I can't even believe that that was my life. I don't think about alcohol at all. And I have other things that I'm working on that I have to be mindful of. Am I checking out from my feelings with sugar or food or television? Um, with COVID, there hasn't been the ability to do as much shopping. But I definitely catch myself that I'm, I'm using that as a means to, to relieve some level of restlessness, some level of irritability, some level of discontentment. And that's actually what I wanted to talk about today is I caught myself the other day being in an irritable state. And when the switch flipped, the world was exactly the same. And it was me that had made the change. So one of the things that I've learned in recovery that I knew from before, but wasn't taking full responsibility for is the ability to change our own mind, our own perspective to drop expectations, to relieve ourselves of resentments. And in doing that, that change of how we see it, because we are powerless over whatever your addiction is, and you're powerless over whatever it is in life, right? So step one is I'm powerless over alcohol and came to believe that my life was unmanageable. Well, that unmanageability can be seen in so many ways. And one of them for me when I was actively, actively drinking was that I just had my head in the sand and wasn't dealing with with any honesty what was really going on. I was 
really stuffing my feelings. And then in that stuffing my feelings in an attempt to control what was happening on the outside became somebody who wanted it to kind of be a certain way. And, and that's complicated because oftentimes in addiction, there's a real selfishness and I'm in two 12 step programs. One is for my own addiction of alcohol. And the other is for the fact that I have family members who are addicts and the behaviors and mental obsession that can happen in trying to fix everything that's happening around you. So that desire to fix that desire to make better, to heal, to alter what the relationships were, to make the train go, made me absolutely hard to live with. And I didn't see it because I just felt like I was just trying to get the train on the track and get the train going. But now that I've had some space and some recovery in that program in particular, I've really learned that I have to keep the focus on myself. And the more I keep the focus on myself and not on the other person's problems or behaviors, there's not a thing that I can do to change somebody else's behavior. I can beg, I can plead, I can coax, I can offer rewards. My eldest son has a very expensive tattoo that I bought him as a reward for quitting smoking. Well, he quit smoking for a while, but he still smokes today. And, you know, that's his deal. So I have let go of the feeling that I have to change that behavior. I can't change that behavior. I can change my own behavior and I can change my own attitude around that behavior. So now when I see him smoking, of course, I would love for him to quit. Of course, I would love him to treat his body better. But ultimately, nobody's going to make that choice except for him. And at some point, it'll be uncomfortable or expensive enough that he'll want to change. I know I quit smoking when I was in my early 20s because it was really getting expensive and I was terrified that it would make my skin bad. So thank goodness for my vanity at that age that it helped me quit. So I understand how hard it is, but I'm not going to continue to try to reward him with some prize that isn't going to give the result that is going to create a true long lasting result. So what happened recently is I found myself being kind of um, henpecky again. And I don't like that. I don't, I don't like it when I start to get henpecky and start to notice all the little things that aren't being done or how I would like them a different way. And it was really interesting to have that observation in myself that the only person that was really miserable about it was me and that I got to live with myself in this space of being discontented. And I have such a gratitude that through recovery and through 12-step work and also through the unity principles of new thought, which is my higher power, beauty of recovery is you get to pick your higher power. Nobody is ever going to tell you what that is. And for me to really observe in myself that the switch that happened in me that observed that in myself 
and was able to really keep that focus on myself and say, what's my part? Where am I seeing this in a way that is not healthy? What is my part of making the situation uncomfortable and not pleasant for either one of us? And when I looked at it and saw that it was me, and there was an immediate change inside of my system, my body relaxed, my tension relaxed, and it's almost like a switch that gets turned on and off, my irritant switch. And I realized that when I was drinking, that was the switch, that was the the moment when you would just have more of whatever that thing is that you use to check yourself out and not feel. But in this process of recovery, I can really take a look at it and say, is this something that I need to set a boundary for? Is something happening that is actually not okay? And if that is the case, then absolutely it's essential to set a boundary with somebody when you X, I feel X, and I need X. Simple. So when I do that, there's this real opportunity for us to work together and figure out what that growth is and have a level of communication where we can actually work on this situation versus me just creating a resentment that is going to live and grow in my own heart. And the poison of resentment, of course, is in us as much as we wish that our resentment that we harbor in us would affect the other person. And it does on some level, but most of the time it's as if we are taking our own poison. So we had this opportunity to talk about it and work on it. So my husband asked me, what's kind of going on? I kind of noticed you're getting a little, you seem a little frustrated with me. And there wasn't a single thing that was in this particular situation that was a boundary that needed to be set up. It was my own brain making up how I kind of wanted it to be my way. And it wasn't anything crazy, but it was the the memory of myself of that kind of irritated person. I don't like that person. And I was grateful that my husband could come to me and ask me the question and that we could have a discussion about it. And I've learned in recovery to pause and to evaluate what my body's feeling and to be willing to share and to know when it's a good time to share. And also when we're elevated and pissed off and in reaction, that is not the time to talk about it. No good is going to come out of that conversation when we're heated. And I've gotten a lot better at being able to say, you know, I kind of need to sit on this for a minute and think about it. Can we come back to it? And also to know in those moments when he's coming to me and asking to talk about something that that piece of me that doesn't want the conflict, that doesn't want the conversation, right? Like I kind of just want to put my head in the sand and hide like the old days but that's not helping me. That's not helping the situation. That's not giving any movement towards growth and towards satisfaction. Those are the behaviors that will lead me back to my addiction. I want to wake up. I want to take a look at what's mine. I want to continue to grow. 
some of the things that I've learned is say yes when I mean yes and say no when I mean no. How often have we said yes to somebody because we think we're supposed to or we think that's the right thing to do? And the absolute irritation that can come from being in a situation where you actually don't want to be there. Being of service is really important in coming out of your own head and important in this space where it's not all about you. But sometimes it needs to be about you. Sometimes when someone asks for something or needs something, you don't have to immediately jump in and say, oh yeah, I'll totally do that. I'll be there. When you don't have the time, you don't have the bandwidth, you don't have the energy, you have to give yourself space for self-love and self-care and to evaluate that situation so that you know whether this is what you want to do or what you feel like you should do. Because we're trying to keep ourselves from being irritated and resentful. What is ours to do? How can I be true to myself? How can I keep the focus on myself and not the people around me? Now, there's behaviors that people have, like I was just saying, that are not okay. And part of what I've heard some people talking about in recovery is this piece where you're just supposed to accept everybody for exactly who they are and never give it another thought and, and that it's us or yourself that has to just sort of swallow it down. And that's not the perspective that I come from. I do think that if you're trying to change the people in your life to be more of what you think they ought to be or the potential of what they ought to be, it might be take, worth taking a look at what that's about. The more I accept the people around me for exactly who they are, the more joy I have in who they are. I am very clear that I am not going to get what I need from all my relationships. I will get a lot of what I need from a lot of my relationships. But if I set myself up thinking that I have this level of expectation of who somebody's supposed to be for me and or what they're supposed to provide for me or how they're supposed to talk to me or how a relationship is supposed to look, I'm going to be sorely disappointed. I'm going to feel sad. And I'm going to be irrit irritated. I'm going to have a resentment. But I also don't have to choose to be in relationship with people that are not healthy for me. I get to make a choice of what those relationships look like. And we will talk about detachment in another podcast. But to love somebody enough to know that it is not healthy to have a certain level of relationship is probably the greatest blessing that you can give to yourself and potentially to that other person. We are not doormats and we're not in total control. So somewhere in the middle, there's a line that we walk where we are focusing on ourselves, where we are looking at what is ours to do, where we're keeping, as they say, our side of the street clean. Notice what we're noticing, keeping our hearts open but not letting it be a place where people can come and just crush us because we're too open. I love the fact that my own mind has the power for myself to make changes, to see things in certain ways 
they give me a sense of peace. And there's so many stories of people who have had profound loss, who have been in extreme situations, who have been prisoners or incarcerated or um, in terrible situations who were able in their own mind to find peace. And I find that incredibly inspiring because I live a very nice life. I am very lucky to live in America and be a woman in America. Right now, there's so much change, thank goodness, that is happening in racial equality. I have never thought for a second that I wasn't lucky. But that doesn't mean that I haven't had heartache and that I haven't suffered and I haven't had discrimination as a woman. But I want so much to take this recovery and positive psychology and just be the strongest, most deep, most loving, compassionate person that I can be. The more work I do, the more my heart opens and I feel so connected to you, to this listener. I may not know you and I feel you. I know that we're all on this together. We are human beings and we are working so hard to find ourselves, to love ourselves, to find compassion for ourselves and compassion for others. And when we're willing to do the work, when we're willing to really like allow ourselves deep into ourselves, the release that happens of the trauma and the pain that we've had allows us to have contentment and a blessed allowance of joy. And for some of us, that's really new. Not having to control all the things that are happening around me and make sure everybody's okay and that all their needs are met and that I'm responsible for all those things brought me a lot of suffering. And now that I have surrendered to this process and realized that my most important piece is connecting with my higher power and being on this spiritual journey, I have serenity. So I hope that you'll take a moment when you're irritated next time. I'm sure I'll be irritated at some point in the next couple of days. Just get in a car and question what that is. What piece of it for ourselves can we release? I'm always surprised at how the world around me doesn't change much, but as I change, I'm more comfortable in my own skin and the world around me. Thank you for listening. And I hope this episode offered you tools, guidance, and inspiration on your journey to recover your soul. If you'd like some support and encouragement with your soul recovery, book a coaching session with me. When you're ready for change, it's amazing what can be done in just a few sessions. There's never any long-term commitment. This is your personal journey, and I'm just here to be a guide and assist you in connecting with your fullest and happiest self. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net where you can find more about me, Rev. Rachel, 
book your spiritual coaching sessions, subscribe to receive email updates, and even listen to some of my original music. We thank you for supporting the production of this podcast by donating on the homepage or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or becoming a Patreon member. When you become a member or a subscriber, you're going to receive an extra bonus episode each week, and your support is really appreciated. By following, subscribing, and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform, you're helping to spread the Recover Your Soul message. We hope that you will follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and even join the private Facebook group to become part of our transformational community. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.